Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. Today, I have the privilege of talking with Christina Campos. Christina lives in Colorado and has four children. She has been an educator for over 20 years, working with all grade levels, preschool through 12th grade. After many years of teaching, Christina saw a need to help children from the source, the home. With great enthusiasm, Christina quit her teaching job and founded the organization, The Impactful Parent, because that's what all of us want to be, impactful. Now, Christina helps parents of school-aged children by providing parenting tips, resources, and community to those that follow her. I'm going to include at the end of the episode information on how to get in touch with Christina, and I'll also include that in the episode notes. Christina, welcome. Thank you for having me, Carly. I am grateful. So when I have a double winner like you, which is a professional that helps people like us and a divorcee, I got to get a little bit of your story. So one of the things you mentioned was that you have a story where you picked yourself up from your bootstraps, you rediscovered yourself, and you wanted to share that with us. So let's start with that. Yeah, because if my story can help other people, then I want to tell my story, even though it's personal. (laughs) It can. I really believe it always can. Yeah. Well, you know, it started off fairy tale like I met my husband when I was 18 and I fell in love with him and it was wonderful in the beginning, of course. And I was married for 13 years. I had four beautiful children with this man. And it's funny how parenting works. Like once... I became a parent, you know, you change as a person. All of a sudden, your life is not all about you anymore. And you start to shift all your priorities. Now, what I didn't realize at the time is that I shifted way too much. Mm. And I can admit that now. But at the time- You shifted way too much as like just about them. Yeah, I did. All about my kids. Um, And I was also giving as much as I could to my husband, but- you know, in retrospect, you know, always hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, I should have done a little bit more for him because I was just trying to be the best parent I could. And I was a teacher. I love teaching. I love kids. So you're I love a teacher, kids. which is just as we all know, more than ever during a pandemic, is frontline hero. You've got four kids and you're doing everything you can to be the best at everything. So are you saying that you did not give a lot of enough priority to your marriage? Yeah, I didn't give, I don't say I gave enough priority. I lost myself Mm. in trying to serve other people. Yes. Including my students, my kids, um, and my husband. But I feel like, you know, I probably could give in more to him, but I didn't know that at the time I was doing the best I could. I had four kids and everything was fine until the bomb dropped, of course. And I found out he wasn't happy. And when he wasn't happy, 
it was, I found out too late. Like it was already past the How point. How did you find out? Was there a discussion that he came to you and he said, I'm not happy? Yeah. Yep. Finally. So tell me about that time. You know, <laughs> it was, uh, he was, he was an entrepreneur himself growing in his business and he needed support in growing his business and just being there for him. I was thought I was doing that, but really I was trying to hold down the home front. And one day he just came to me and I really, it blindsided me. I was like, what? You're not happy? Even looking back, you can't see now there were times when things were not working. You couldn't see that? No, even now. Like I, I was so blinded in my own world that I didn't see it. There's a lot of stories like that. Um, and I want listeners to know that, you know, I share a lot of stories with people who had a lot of work that they had to do to figure out what to do. But there's a lot of stories like yours, which is why it's valuable to hear where one partner had no clue. No clue. So he's saying he's not getting supported. He's not happy. What, what does he say to you? Does he want to make it work or is he, is he miserable? And he doesn't want to make it work. Uh, no, I think he did want to make it work. But at that point, you know, it, it was just had gone too far. He was, it was, there was, he was ready to go, to go. And it's really sad. I look back at that going, oh man, if only, but. What did you guys do to try to make it work? I tried get, spending more time with him. I, you know, we tried going out on dates and, mm -hmm. you know, but again, by that point, I think he had already made a decision. It was so hard for him to come and admit that to begin with, that he wasn't going to admit it until he was pretty sure. Based on what you know about him for all these years, is it surprising that he held that back for so long? No, I think a lot of people do. I think it's, it's a scary thing to admit. And I think, you know, in general, there are many people who have a hard time expressing their feelings to others. And when you have that kind of partner that doesn't want to, he didn't want to hurt me. Yeah. He didn't want. But uh, you know, from where you become that you would have done so much better had you guys started talking about it however long ago it started, like the unraveling, because I, I can't speak for you and I want to know what your answer is. But for me, I want a partner that's going to tell me immediately when something is wrong, because A, I'm not a mind reader. I've got a bunch of kids like you and a bunch of work. And I, I can't run around wondering what everyone else is feeling. You have to tell me. You do. Because we can't fix it, right? We can't fix it. Yeah. Communication is key. I am a much better communicator now than I ever was before. But again, hindsight, 2020, and you learn as you go. And I did meet him young. So, so how long after that conversation did you head toward a divorce? After that conversation, it was about a year. So a year of you trying and you were not, was he not trying? Was he just kind of like going through the motions? I can't speak for that. Right. You couldn't, you couldn't tell. I would think that, yes, he would be, he was trying. Okay. But I, I also don't think that I was probably putting out the efforts that he was looking for. Now, one of the things you wrote, you said that I wrote down when you were talking that he was not getting what he needed from, you know, from you for mm -hmm. like his business and stuff. One of the questions I wrote, because I am a, you know, 41 year old woman who's already walked through so much. And I get to ask this is, were you getting what you needed? I, 
I think I was because I was pretty happy. You were, you know, and, but I, I was a stay at home mom. He was very supportive of me. Mm-hmm. He allowed me to be that mother that I wanted to be um, and gave me that opportunity where Go ahead. I, I needed to be there a little bit more for him as he was starting his businesses. And, and again, my focus was holding down the home front instead of really being a true support. And again, I was trying to be a support. I didn't know. I didn't know any right. difference. Yeah. So I don't blame myself for that. I, I right. did put 110% effort in. Yeah. And people don't know what you don't know. Right. And unless you communicate exactly what you need, then you don't know what you don't know. So do you have an answer? Because um, like my, I call my husband, someone else taught me that instead of ex-husband, is my husband, I don't think he could tell anyone today, even five years later, why we got a divorce. Um, he would probably say like, I just came in one day, which is actually not true at all. But do you happen to know why you guys ended up getting a divorce? I, no, I don't. I guess I don't either. I mean, I think it was probably a, a culmination of a lot of different things, right? Right. It's never one thing. It is never one thing. Right. And part of that, I'm sure, was that we met young. Yeah. We started our family young. And you change as you grow. You do. You do. Absolutely. As you should. How old were your children when you got a divorce? Oh, um... Well, now my children are 18, 16, 10, and 7. You and, are in the middle. Yeah. And, uh, and the divorce was six years ago. Okay. So your oldest was 12 and your youngest was one. Yes. Wow. Okay. And another thing to think about is as my youngest was one, I mean, that's a lot of work to care for an infant. So as I'm trying to help him. I have an infant at home. Right. So all so did you stuff, feel angry? I'm not angry. No, were you, were you angry? Yes. Well, of course you, I, I went through all the slow emotions. Yeah. My favorite place. Every, every parent has this. Yeah. A place in your house where you cry and let out your emotions or go and be and talk to your girlfriend in secret. Yeah. For me, that's the closet. I go and hide in my closet and I, I did so much crying in my closet. I could cry. I bet. I bet. <laughs> so day, yeah. went in there and that's, that was my safe space. Yeah. You, you have to process those feelings of anger, disappointment. What's wrong with me? Right. Happened. You analyze everything down to details, which you shouldn't, but you do. And you have to go through that. It, it, there's no way to get out of it except for through. So I a hundred percent believe it's, I have a tattoo on my arm. The only way out is through. It's one of my favorite beliefs. <laughs> it's how I coach my clients. There is no, I don't care how much money you have. You cannot buy your way out of this. You have to walk through it. You can't, you can't. So my question to you is what happens with the divorce and the post-divorce, like how did you get to a place where you are today? And what about your story? Did you get to rediscover yourself? Like how was that process for you? It was hard. So after weeks, maybe months, right? Of crying in the closet, (laughs) you know, I came to a point where you hit a crossroads. 
And it's a very real crossroads where you have to make a decision. Yeah. Am I going to continue to feel sorry for myself and dwell on all this? Or am I going to try to recover and show my children really it came down to, I want to show my children that their mom is resilient. And yes, not- I love that word so much because here's the thing. If we don't show them that, then when they face adversity, because it's going to happen, they're not going to know how to do it. And the fact that you said you were at a crossroad reminds me of what I'm sure you, you do with your coaching, which is what I do is all also is we have a choice. Absolutely. You can stay stuck in your bitter story or you can say, okay, this is what happened. Now, what am I going to do with it? Right. And that's what I did. I said, what am I going to do with this? Mm -hmm. And then I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm going to be honest with you, Carly. I said, who's that? I, at that point realized I did not know who I was. Mm -hmm. I had given myself to my children, my, my school that I was teaching for my husband. I didn't know. I didn't know what I even liked anymore. I was like, you know, do I actually really like that movie or am I just watching it? Because it's habit. Do I, re- what am I really want to go and do after uh, work today? I, do I really like that kind of food? What do I really want to cook for dinner? Because it was, I was so completely lost. I'd given, given, given that I didn't know who I was anymore. Yeah. And when I realized that, I cried some more in my closet. <laughs> yeah, because it's, a, it's like a grief of like, how did this happen? How did I allow this to happen? It is. And then I said, well, not no wonder, but really like, oh, well, the person that I was, I don't even know who that is. And I need to figure it out because moving forward, I cannot no longer be a wife. So who am I going to be now? And who do I really want that person to look like? I love that question. Can you say it again? <laughs> who do I want to be now? Who, what do I want to look like? Right. And what you get to choose on? that. You do. You absolutely write that. We get to like, we thought that the story was written and now we're like, crap. I get to write the rest of the story. I get to write the rest of the story. That's an exciting thing. It's not like an overwhelming, it's obviously overwhelming, but like, what do I want to do with it? Yeah. How was your relationship with your co-parent through the divorce and, and now? So that was another conscious choice I made. And I made a choice at that moment. Not only I, uh, when one of the things I did is like write down goals of what I really wanted to do, who I really wanted to be. What did I really want to road model for my kids? And I mean, write them down because there's some kind of connection between your brain yes. and the paper. Yeah. Not putting it in your phone, but writing it down. With a and pen, posting right? it somewhere. Yes. And one of the things that I posted or put, wrote down on my stuff is, I'm going to take the high road here. Yes. hard. You Michelle obama it. But I'm going to take the high road. I can't even tell you how much I do that. And I say to my friends who don't know how to do this, I said, there's no traffic up there because it's very hard to find other people doing it. Yes. And it's very difficult. It's not an easy road, but I'm going to say, I am going to get along with this man. I am not going to be bitter. Yeah. And I'm going to show my kids that you can get along with somebody because in the end, he was still my best friend, which made it hurt. Half of your children. 
more. Say that again? I said, when he's your best friend, that makes it hurt even more because he left me. Yeah. But the love did not go away. Right. I was mad. I was disappointed. I was bitter. But I'm not going to show that because I'm going to take the high road and I'm going to figure out how to do this. And I'm going to model that you can do this. Yes. And it's not an easy road. It, to this day, it's still not always an easy road, but it is a road worth taking. What are your wins in co-parenting? And what are your things that you're like, ugh, that was a mistake. I need to do that better. <laughs> um, I would say the wins have been really improving the communication between the two of us. Really saying, hey, I'm going to be flexible and really try to accommodate and let's really figure out how we're going to put the kids first. Yes. The difficulty has been when you don't agree. Yes. Really what the best thing is for the kids. And that's hard because you're not always going to agree. But so one of the things that I always like, like in a dream scenario, I have three types of people I work with. I either work with someone who doesn't know if they want to divorce and I help them figure it out. And we kind of go through all the facts and just lay it out and never tell anyone what to do, but I show them all their options. Mm -hmm. And then if they end up wanting to go through the divorce, I walk them through the process of like, what's really important to put in the shared parenting plan, things that like lawyers won't remember because they're only working on like the money and all that. And, or I work with someone in the middle of it, that's a mess or post, but the dream scenario is someone that's just made the decision. Okay. This is what we're going to do. And then we say, is your main priority to make sure that the children are not messed up by this choice that was not their choice. And yeah. what is that going to look like for them? So when you said, how do we put the kids first? I believe that we specifically need to add those details to our shared parenting plan. I yeah. did it, but I think that it, I wish I would have. And it's that question. How do we put the kids first? Not let's put the kids first. People make it a statement yeah. and it's not a statement. It's a question. How do we do this so that we both are okay with the answer? Yes. And, and what will it look like? Yes, because then it becomes a discussion because the statement just says, yes, I agree with you. But then there's no discussion. So you have to ask. It's the question. How do we put our kids first? Oh. And for my ex-husband and I, I'm very fortunate he also uh, understood um, that we wanted to do that. And I was, again, I, it's so wonderful that I could have the conversation with him. We have a very unconventional kind of divorce where legally he has the children 50-50, but in reality, um, I have the children. I am the, I'm the primary caregiver. And I just made a commitment that he is welcome in my home at any time, whatever he wants. So the kids now have a safe place to land all the time that is home. I'm their home. But dad comes to this day in and out of the house, visits any day, any time of the day, anytime he wants, walks in and out as he needs. And they can go to his house when they want also. Um, but it's not, that's not normal. I mean, most parents do 50-50 and you divide it all up and stuff, right. but that's not how we ended up being. We, my partner and I decided that the best thing would to, was to create a home base. 
so they didn't have to go back and forth. Because that is one of the, the biggest struggles I see is not even that they want the parents to be together. It's just annoying. It's annoying to have to go back and forth. It's annoying that you forgot your computer plug. It's annoying that, you know, you were here hanging out here and now you have to go there. So I think that is actually really admirable of you guys. Yeah. Even more admirable, and again, a testament to him, is I, in the divorce, uh, was awarded the home. So our home that the kids were in. So I stayed with the kids in the home so that they had as little change as possible. And he ended up moving six blocks away. Yeah. And that's in, in the beginning. Can right, I? On yeah, purpose. On purpose. Yeah. We did too. Four blocks away on purpose because I want them to be able to ride their bikes back and forth. Yeah. In the beginning, that's that I'll admit. I was like, what? You're six blocks away. That's too close. Oh my gosh. Like how does, you know, it is, it's kind of scary, especially when you're, you know, <laughs> I was very hurt. And again, I was angry. I wasn't trying to show it, but inside I was dealing with a lot of emotional turmoil yes. and to have him so close, it's, it's not an easy road. I'm going to tell you right now, it's right. not an easy road. When you're hurting the way I was, to still say you can come in and out of my house whenever you want right. is not an easy road. Right. But again, when we had that conversation that the home base was the best place for us and our children, then he made that choice to move close so that he can come back and forth whenever he chose and the kids could go to him whenever they needed him or just needed to get away from me for that matter too. Um, after some time, it became a blessing. Mm -hmm. Now that time has passed and I have done more healing, I'm so grateful to him for moving so close because it was the best choice for the children. Right, that's the how. Yes, that right. was one of the hows. Um, I love this. If I have one more question about your story and then we're gonna move into the professional area. If you could turn back time to talk to yourself at the beginning of all of this, is there anything you wish you could have told yourself as the woman you are today? I just would have continued to look at myself in the mirror when I was completely lost yes. and said, it's okay. You're going to be okay. Yeah. And I think what's scary about that time period is I didn't know if anybody was going to love me again. Mm. And especially when you get left like that, you feel unwanted. You feel like trash, honestly. You do. You feel like leftover trash. Right. Because and we have these children together in this beautiful life, and it, you didn't leave the children. You're leaving me. Yes, absolutely. That hurts. How do you not take that personally? Exactly. It hurts. And... I had to really do some soul searching and, and realize that it's okay. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Um, people, somebody can love me and my four kids for that matter. Yes. And uh, you know what else I say about that? And this is not easy to say, and you don't have to mean it in the moment while you're going through the pain. But I always tell women I'm working with or men, um, you know, get on your knees and say to the universe, thank you. Because even though it feels like, why on earth is this happening? I, at this point in my life, only want to be with someone who chooses me and chooses to work their ass off to be with me and chooses to do the work with me that I'm going to choose to do with them. 
And as hard and painful as, as it is to say goodbye to someone in a, in a relationship like that, that if someone doesn't want to be in that with me, I don't want that for myself. You wouldn't want that for one of your children. No, that's absolutely right. Which is why I try to make my marriage work, but in the end, I let him go. I love that you said that. I love that you said that. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I want to switch on over to your coaching with parents. And specifically, I want to talk about what issues do you see families, specifically children, teenagers struggling with because of being in a part of a divorced family? Well, there's um, a lot of insecurity there. Um, it, it really, they do look at how the parents are handling things. And there could be some of their own relationship backlash. Our kids, and especially even our teenagers who are going through learning how to maneuver relationships, because that's what teenagers do. They're learning how to maneuver relationships. They may look like they're ignoring you and they don't give a crap, but they are watching. And how you handle a breakup will be how they will handle a breakup. Mm. And so that's one of the things that I had to look at when I was knowing that I was going to be role modeling um, when I was crying in my closet. That's I mean, so they, important. They knew mom was sad. I mean, there's no doubt. You can't hide that. Yeah. But I had to make a, you have to make a decision of what are you going to role model right now? Are you going to role model that when somebody breaks up with you, you're just going to ghost them? Are you going to role model that uh, you're going to be mean and start talking, you know, badly about them? And that's one of the worst things you can obviously do. And you know that, you it's know, it's one of my two rules. I, I refuse to allow anybody. I won't work with them because it's, it's so harmful. One of my children shared with me and I won't say anything to my husband about it because I know that he wouldn't take it well and he doesn't listen to this. So um, he, one of the things that my, one of my children told me is that he knew that, that their dad's family doesn't all like me, not all of them, but some of them. And I said, how come? This was recently, and it's been like five years. And he said, because I saw these two family members, I hear them saying not nice things about you. And while one of my rules with clients is that they're not allowed to say anything negative, and if they hear anyone in earshot of their children, that they have to shut that down. Yeah. I know that their father wouldn't take that information and shut it down. He would go to the child and, and reprimand him for saying it to me. And I yeah. want that to be an open dialogue. And so it's just my modeling for that is, well, you know, some people love me and some people don't. And I, I need to remember that like my responsibility is to behave no matter what. Like you said, take the high road. Um, you're showing your children, we don't get rid of people, right? Exactly. Just because we, you know, they don't need to know the details of just because mom and dad are no longer married we, this is our home. This is our family. We've got each other's back. Yeah. That's huge. And you're so much, I say, when your children are watching you do a breakup, there's a horrible epidemic right now. And I don't mean that the, <laughs> the coronavirus, but there's an epidemic of children who do not know how to communicate anymore because so much of their communication with their relationships is solely through texting and texting does not give them the abilities to actually communicate well in person. So it's very sad that a lot of teenagers right now do not know how to 
deal with confrontation, don't know how to deal with relationships that end. So they can be dating someone for a really long time and all of a sudden just ghost them, which is completely horrible to whoever's on the other end. So when you're modeling that even when a marriage doesn't work out, but you model how you can get through that in all the different facets of that, how you talk to them, how you make agreements, how you share the people you love, then you're teaching them. And that's what this, this new generation of kids really, really needs actually, because they're not getting it uh, in person as much anymore because all the relationships are over electronics. And unfortunately- We actually just had this conversation in my car and I, cause I had an interview yesterday with a psychologist co-parenting coach who um, is really into digital and social media education for parents. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're going to hate this. And here's what we're doing. And we're not removing everything, but we're changing it. So there's more balance. And I got their father to be on board. Thank goodness, because it's really hard when it's, when it's not the same, yeah. but I explained to them, it wasn't just something we're doing. It's you guys don't know how to have a conversation with people. Like, unless you're on digital, you literally don't know how to communicate. And when you're not on digital, you don't want to communicate. And so one of the things we're going to do is we're going to have some balance so we can learn how to be part of life. Right. Yeah. We didn't have this growing up. I mean, there was like a Nintendo and a Game Boy, but like right. it was between like going to the mall with your friends or going to the pool and riding bikes or staying home by yourself. You would never stay home by yourself. No, it's a whole, so you're seeing the struggle with, children or teens, because they're learning how to maneuver relationships, watching you, what other struggles or insecurities are you seeing um, from families of divorced homes that you want our listeners to hear so they can pivot how they're behaving? Um, Well, we already touched on not talking about the other, the other parent. That's huge because then they get torn. They don't know what side. Stuck in the middle. Yeah. You don't want to make your kids feel stuck in the middle. Um, and yeah, just as they learn their own relationships and how to deal with them, um, it's still super important for those, the mother and the father to role model, um, the new relationships and how they deal with, um, the boyfriend and the new dating situation coming in. Um, it's fairly interesting in my personal family because I have children that don't remember me being married to my ex-husband. Right. And so it's interesting when I date somebody new that they get to see some, um, a male. Like you know, have a different attention or romantic. A mother. Yeah. And that, and I, and before I introduce any male into my family to see my, to meet my children, first of all, I have to make sure that this male is really solid, but I make sure that we have the conversation with the person I'm dating and say, look, whether you like it or not, you are now a role model. You are now a male role model for my children. Oh my goodness. Let's do that one again. Whether you like it or not, you are now a role model for my children. If you're going to date a single parent, yes, you're coming in. You're coming in and be ready for this because if you're not on board, you got to tell me right now before you meet them. And I say, I have, they're going to be looking how you treat me, how we talk to each other. They're, they're not used to me talking to another male unless it is their dad. And obviously I talk to their dad a lot different than I'm going to talk to my boyfriend now. 
And to have somebody um, who role models bringing flowers to me, opening the door for me, um, being frivolous, right. just, and I make sure like you, you have eyes watching you. So make sure that you know that. And if we come into conflict, I have rules. Can I just say I what a great example you are? Because that is not the norm. The norm is somebody comes in and the kids have to adjust to whatever that person is or how they're behaving. And for the, like for my kids, we're 50-50. And so when they go to their dads and they're with their dad's partner, she is who she is. And there definitely was not a discussion about you have to be a role model for our children because that's a challenging situation for them. It and is. It's not for everybody. No, it's not. Yeah. Does your, um, does their dad have another person in his life? Uh, not right now, but he has dated women. And honestly, we made it a conversation and said, look, we are going to uh, meet the person we're dating before the kids do. Just so you so got to meet her and he got to meet yours. Yes. Yep. Because to us, it's important that when our kids say, hey, I spent the day or I met so-and-so at the house today, that the other parent can say, oh yeah, how did you like her or him? I met them before. And all of a sudden, it's not a brand new person. Now, they again, feel safe. it's a collaboration between the people yes. who they depend on. Yes. That it's okay to have a new person come into that life. It, it makes a huge difference. I love that. Another thing that my ex-husband that is very unconventional that I just want to throw out there that my children love is we actually put in our divorce agreement that once a year we go on a vacation. With I'm just so jealous. Me and the me, him, and the four kids. And it's actually in our divorce agreement that we would not bring anyone else, no boyfriends, not if we even get married again. So once a year, we do a vacation with just the six of us. So I don't do anything for that. I can't even get dinner for one birthday. I mean, I, it's, and it's not because my husband didn't want that. It's something I work with my clients about who are about to make their agreements is when he had another person come in, they didn't want that. And so now our divorce is based on what someone else wanted, which is why when I coach clients who have not written their document, I mm -hmm. say, put this in, trust me, it's for your children's best interest. So when you originally asked, how can we support the children? What you guys are doing, those memories that you are creating, your kids get to be with both parents on a vacation every year of their life. Can I tell you, they look forward to it. Who wouldn't? They absolutely love it. At all. They don't think you're going to get back together, right? No, not at all. They absolutely don't. And nor do they even want us to. Right. They, um, maybe the youngest might, I'll be honest with that. She might because younger kids have still have dreams of their parents being together. Yeah. But the older children don't. They understand that it didn't work out and, and they do remember us together and they just don't have a desire for us to be together, but they all look forward to our once a year vacation. That I we love that. I've never heard that. I love that so much. I've encouraged, I'm remarried. And I've encouraged my husband to go on vacation with his, because I know how important it is to the kids and not everyone gets an understanding partner 
that says, I'm not insecure. I have no worries about this. This is your family. Please go do this. Well, I'll tell you right now, and for anybody who is, wants to take this piece of advice that I'm giving them to do this, is that it can be really difficult for the boyfriend or the girlfriend or this, you know, future spouse or whatever. It really can. And it's been a point of contention in my relationships and for his too. I, we're not, I'm not going to lie about that. So do you, are you just very matter of fact, like I hear you that you're having a struggle with this, but this is a non-negotiable. It is. Well, I'm, because I put it in the divorce document, we both did. We are legally bound to do it. That is why I want everyone to do it. That is why I want them to put in birthday dinners. That's why I want Halloween and 4th of July and holidays. Because no other new person can argue with a legal document. Sorry, in the legal document. It's in there. And it's something that's set into place before they were even in the picture. It's an expectation. You're You're walking into my life. I want you to know a few things. We don't have a typical divorce, which I hope one day we don't say these words. I hope one day a non-typical divorce is where the parents can't be in the same room and the kids are harmed. I hope a typical divorce becomes, look, this didn't work out. There's a lot of story behind it. It's nobody's business. We're moving forward and we're going to do everything we can to make these children have a great life. Yes. And again, very difficult. I'm not going to lie into your audience and say, this is an easy road. This is a hard Uh road. And but people it, judge and they, they question and it's not their business. No, it's not. And we get lots. Well, I'll get lots of comments, but most of them are really positive. There's people who look at my uh, ex-husband and I as we still, you know, go on our vacations together and say, wow, that's amazing. And we get separate rooms. I mean, we're not like right. together. We're just on a same family. You're family. <laughs> Your family and you're having memories together. I, I've got to tell you, I'm not a jealous person and I am jealous of that. I would do anything for that because what it will give my children for us, it's, it's actually a sacrifice. Like you have to talk about taking the high road. You have to take the high road 24 hours a day on vacations because the things that you don't enjoy necessarily will come up and that's not going to go away and you have to behave. And I will also say that in the beginning, those vacations were really hard for me because I was the person who Didn't was left, right? Yeah. So I still had a lot of feelings. And those vacations, it was like pulling my heart, like just ripping it apart. I'm, I mean, I, I wish I could tell your audience that, oh, what a beautiful oh, thing. I it want them to know the truth because hard is they're going <laughs> to think something's wrong with them when it's hard because here's the thing. It's painful to go through this. Painful, Nobody painful. gets ready and picks out their wedding dress and, and does all that stuff and thinks this might not work out. Nobody thinks that and has babies and holds the babies and looks at them and, and does all that and thinks one day I'm going to be by myself doing this. Right. Yeah. So this is a death. It's a grievance. It's a sadness. But like you said in the beginning, it is a choice how we are going to behave from here on out. Yes. I love and the vacations were a reminder of, for me, of what could have been. So that's why it was so particularly painful. Yeah. I would not change that for the world because I also, at the same time, can see how meaningful it was to my four kids. Yeah. That their parents, for one week out of the entire year, they got their parents together and just got to experience something different 
and have them and have their family. And that meant a lot. And it, and it was, you know, kind of fairy tale because it's not reality. But for one week, it felt good to them. I, you're a very lucky woman. I know that it might not always feel like that, but I would do anything for my kids. And I would, I wish that that was their experience and truth, but it will not be. But for listeners who also have my story where that's never going to happen, we still get to have a North Star divorce. Like 90% of the time, my ex and I get along and Mm -hmm. we work really hard on making things work, even though there's a lot of obstacles. Um, I want you to tell me about the four pillars of self-care. So the self-care, I would say that um, you need to wake up in the morning and figure out what one hour that you can dedicate to yourself. Just one. And as a parent, I'm a single mom of four kids. That's tough of finding my one hour. So you have, sometimes you have to be creative about your one hour. Um, if I need to exercise, because exercising is for me, it's not, it's for me and my health, right? So sometimes it's, it's at the rugby game because I don't have any other hour in my day. So I have to run around the rugby field that my kids are playing on just to get my exercise. But you find that hour, you wake up and find it. Uh, another pillar I would say is that you cannot let your kids be your whole world. There is a difference between letting your schedule revolve around the needs of your children and the meaning of your life revolving around them. And you have to make that distinction. It's huge. And as a single mom, I have to make my world revolve around them, but the meaning of my life is not around them. And that's where you have to, again, I had to look myself in the mirror and say, all right, I don't know who this person is, but I'm going to find out and I'm going to find out things that I like and what do I really want to do and where am I going to go with this? And that's where you really start to self-discover and you figure out what the meaning of your life is. And your kids are going to be a huge part of it, of course, you want them to be, but you just have to be careful that you don't get so into it like I was in the beginning that you lose yourself. Well, that's one of the reasons why at the end of my sessions that I do after getting them through all the junk, at the end, I, we focus on what kind of life do you want to build from here on out? Because what are your goals? What are your bucket lists? What do you dream of doing? Because there are going to be times now that you're not with your children. And when you created this whole life around your children, what are you going to do on your own? Because otherwise you'll feel miserable, sad, and lonely and depressed. Or my friend said, you can create a life you're excited about, even though you love your children, you miss them you get excited about going to live this other part of your life. And that's it. That's exactly right, Carly. That's exactly right. You find out what are you going to do when your kids are with the, the, your ex-spouse. And yeah. that's where you get to be. And you get to tell them stories. And when they come back, instead of being like, how was your time? And did you, you, you get to go, look at this metal I got. Look what I just created. I just made this art piece. Look what I just broke through the kitchen wall. Like they get to see a parent that's living. Yes. And it's huge. Again, you're role modeling that. You're not just yeah. sitting at home. For a while, my, my youngest, she didn't want to leave me. And it wasn't she wanted to leave me. She, did, she was like, well, in her mind, when she left, mom was just at home alone. She and felt like, bad. She, I'm she, not home alone. <laughs> like, I'm having a great time. <laughs> I'm like, I, I had to sit her down and say, I need you to go to your dad because I might leave you to the moon and back, but I need a break. 
because I want to go do all these things and you can't come with me. <laughs> I love that. And then so when you got she, hour to yourself, don't let your kids be your whole world. What else you got there? All right. So you need to stop putting labels on yourself. And what I mean by this is a lot of people will say, well, I would wake up early and exercise, but you know, I'm just not a morning person. So being not a morning person is a label. It's exactly. You just put an imaginary boundary on something that you can accomplish just by your mindset. You, right, you, changed, you just said no to all morning time. You did. Yeah. And so, and I think especially as, as divorced parents, we put labels on us, on ourselves, and those are putting boundaries. There's no need for it. You might say, I don't want to wake up in the morning, but don't, I don't like it. it. Yeah, I don't like it. That's completely, now that's a choice. Right. But don't say, well, I can't, I'm not, I can't because but I'm But you can, you're just choosing not to. Exactly. Right. Because then when it's a choice, you can also choose the other way. Yes. When it's all, when you make it part of who you are, then you're making, again, now that's a boundary that you can't change. And that's, that's a bunch of crap. You so totally it's all do. about opening up, not closing in. So you want to not put labels on yourself because you want to give more space and opportunity for anything you could, could possibly do. If you're not a morning person, you cannot dedicate that. So my exercise is usually in the morning before they wake up, or now I've been doing what you're doing. They have soccer a couple of like four days a week. So during that hour, I'm going on a run. And exactly. it's not necessarily the time I want to do it, but it's the time I can do it. And like you, if I don't exercise, like I'm not going to be okay. Like That's for right. myself, for my kids, like I'm not a nice mom then. That's right. What's your fourth pillar? Um, well, let's see. Well, say I have, cause I have the, t I have 12 that I'll give your audience after okay. this over, but I would say the next fourth pillar that really is important is, is again, a mind shift change that parenting, especially when you're single parenting is really lonely. So with that, you do have to make efforts to connect with other people. You have to make that effort to call the friend, make that whatever that you need to do, whether it's a dinner or whatever, but stop telling yourself that you're stuck with your kids all day long. Instead, you have an opportunity to be with your kids a lot that day. Yes. I love that. Because and, you know what? I yeah. know personally families and friends who would sell their house for nothing and cut off their legs to be with their kids for one more day because they don't get to be because they're gone. And I love that for me is about changing it from a have to, need to, to get to. When we change our word just to get from half, mm -hmm. it changes our entire perspective. I don't have to go to work. I get to. During this pandemic, there's a lot of people that don't have a job and I do. Yes. It's a get to. Yes. And so, and that you can apply that to just about anything really to help you shift your mindset. And I'll tell your audience in the beginning, you're going to feel like, oh, that's not true. I'm just lying to myself. It's okay. Yes. Actually, lie to yourself for a while and eventually you'll begin to believe it. And when you believe it, then all of a sudden you'll feel better. Yes. You take so, the action. You keep taking the action as if, and eventually it happens. It does. And, and I had to do that after crying in the closet. I bet you did. I bet after, I mean, after, here's the thing. When you're done crying in the closet, you still need, need to make dinner. You do. 
And like, you just, they're like, are you done? Yeah. Like we're starving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and every day, even though I didn't want to wake up and get out of bed, you say, I got this. And I didn't believe it. But every day you say, I wake up, I, I got this. And eventually you got this. <laughs> I do. I love, I got this. I love you got this. When I, I'm a runner and when I did a big race for me, seeing the you got this sign that I'm like, okay, I can do this. I have two more questions for you because I probably could talk to you forever. But um, my first one before we end, before my last one is, you talked about learning how to calm emotions and take control of your household again, how to help cope when you have kids that are really, um, one of my kids is very emotionally charged, gets very intensely angry and kind of vacuum sucks the entire house. Yeah. How do you, how do you help parents um, with that kind of issue, especially as a single parent who has nobody to like, you know, it's your turn, you're in, I'm out. Yeah. So emotions are <laughs> the tip of an iceberg. A lot of psychologists use that analogy. You see anger. That's what you see. But really underneath the iceberg, underneath that water, there's a slew of other emotions. So step one is really figuring out why is my child showing anger? Is it really that they just feel out of control because they can't control their environment? Is that, you know, and in, in a divorce, that's a lot of kids will come out angry because they can't control their parents to stay together. So it comes out as anger. Or, you know, are they anxious that one of the, they're not going to see a parent as much as they used to? Or are they scared that their life is never going to be the same, which is true, but are they afraid of the future? So you really got to figure out what is underneath the water because all you're going to see is a mad kid. Yes. So it's about figuring out what's underneath the water. And then once you can figure out what's underneath the water, and then it's working with your child to learn how to manage those emotions. I do a whole online course on how to teach kids and to control their big emotions, I saw that. anger or anxiety, or like just being highly sensitive because I have super highly sensitive kids. I have a couple of gifted children and I've been in gifted education for a really long time and gifted kids tend to be big feelers. Um, and so I had to, in and outside of my classroom, show kids how to control these big emotions. But when you go through a divorce, you're gonna expect it. And so you gotta be ready um, more than ever. Uh, but that would be step one. I mean, you gotta figure out what are you dealing with first? And, I'm and gonna, I want listeners to know that on your website, that is where you're gonna be able to find the link to, you know, so on theimpactfulparent.com, that's where we're gonna be able to find the link to your online course about controlling emotions, correct? Yeah. And it's the impactful parent. You actually need the the in there. <laughs> the, the impactful parent. Yeah. Anything else to help them? What about in the moment while they're having that massive breakdown? Well, you do not want to yell back. I, it's so hard when a kid's angry and they're up in your face, especially if you have a teenager who is <laughs> just as big as you or bigger, mm -hmm. and they're going to be trying to get a reaction out of you. I mean, you can't, you can't react. Actually, parents that react, it's natural and instinctive. So I want you to know right now that that's normal for you wanting to react because they're activating an instinctual reaction in you that says, I'm going to protect myself. But you have to fight that instinct because you're actually fueling the fire. And by yelling back, you're role modeling yelling back. So oh, you say can it again. Say it again. You're role yelling modeling back. yelling back 
And that's how people react when you do that. So you can't. So you have to, first step would be get your child to calm down. And what I do is I tell my kids, I see that you're angry, but I cannot hear you right now. I will not listen to you while you're talking to me like this. If you want me to be on your side and hear what you have to say, come back to me when you're ready. And then I send them off. Um, whether it's to their room to calm down, even if it's to an electronic for a little while to calm this is down. so good. I am making my husband listen to this when he comes home because this is exactly what he's struggling with right now. And, and me, we both have like the kid or kids that are like always doing this. And yeah. I love the, I can't hear you right now. I yeah. need you to... I need you to be able to get to a place where you can talk in a way that I can hear you. I want to be on your side and hear you, but I can't yeah. hear you the way you're talking. And that's it. You say, I want to be on your side and hear you, right. but I can't when you're talking like this. And what that does is actually does two things. One, it shows that you have boundaries on how you will accept people to talk to you. Yes. It's great role modeling. <laughs> the second thing that it does is that it shows your child how they're acting without you pointing fingers at them. Mm. So you just pointed out their bad behavior without saying, stop it, don't do that anymore. You can't talk to right. me like that. Because yelling back like that, again, just shows that you get yelled back at when people yell at you. So I just go, Shoo. nope, can't hear you right now. Let me know when you're ready. And now my kids know, like they, they don't even try to approach me because they know they're just gonna get shut down right because you're consistent with it yes absolutely you have to be consistent but when when you push them away again to say to go and calm down in there whatever their calm down space is again they can come back to you and in that calm space and then you do listen and at that point i don't care what you're doing you, you have stop. to put everything to the yes. side to listen to them because then you say even if you're so busy or in your middle of work or, or whatever that might look like, you have to stop what you're doing and say, oh, you're ready. Now you are my priority. Yes. And that you've just role modeled to them that if you want to communicate with somebody and get your needs met, you have to do it in a calm manner. Yeah. That otherwise, what will happen, what I see a lot is the kid will have tantrum, 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 or they're angry, angry, angry. And then the parent is screaming and they're all, and everyone is riled up and nobody is calm. And then, then the parent feels guilty, which is the last question I'm leading into. How do you walk away from feeling guilty, especially as a single parent who has this guilt of, I couldn't provide them the family that we hope to have. I can't do everything. I, I'm physically responsible for financially taking care of this house and cleaning it and doing the garbage and all this stuff. How do you with the self-care that you talk about and all of it, not walk around with guilt? That's probably one of the harder things, right? <laughs> Parent guilt is real. And I think that it's about really understanding that you need to give yourself grace. And that's not, again, high road, not an easy path. But if you're truly putting out as much effort as you can to all these facets, just being the best parent you can. Are you going to yell back at your kids sometimes? Sure, you're going to. But if you follow yelling back up with an apology and saying, look, I'm sorry that I yelled at you. I, I, you yelled at me and you, you triggered me and I'm sorry that I yelled back at you. That was wrong. 
And that's really putting an effort as a parent. If you really truly put in effort as a parent and even say sorry, whatever that looks like to you, then you can come to a more peaceful place and say, I'm doing the best I can because your kids will also see that you're doing the best you can. And I, apology goes a long way because you aren't going to do things perfect. But again, you're role modeling that I'm not perfect, but I will admit when I'm wrong. And it's okay to apologize. It's okay to be vulnerable. They're your children and they will, they love you no matter what. So just like you love them no matter what. And the more that you can role model just hey, it's okay being human, I'm gonna apologize, I made a mistake, then now they can admit when they make mistakes and they don't feel like they have to be perfect all the time or hide their imperfections because you're role modeling that it's okay, we're not all perfect and I can admit when I'm wrong and I'll apologize and this is the best I can do. Yeah. And you'll see that, especially as they get older and older. I can't tell you, my teenagers, they they're amazing because they're eyes wide open and they now unlike before when they were younger they see my ex-husband and me for who we are good and bad yeah and it's okay and they accept us and it's fine and you know you just you're role modeling that because it's okay to give yourself grace right our responsibility is to raise these children to be good humans and the way that we are going to go about doing that what i'm hearing from you is by role modeling, you've been talking about that from the beginning, is how we behave, how we treat other people and ourselves really importantly, is how our children are gonna learn how to do that. Children, right, to be yellers and to shut people out of their life and to not deal with things, then we, we should pay attention that that's what we're doing. Yes, you cannot teach your child respect by treating them without respect. Oh, you have so many good gems. I'm so grateful for you. So this is just the tip of the iceberg for you. And I want everyone to know that if you want to see Christina more, go to theimpactfulparent.com. On there, she has a link to her 12 steps that she, that she was talking about. Also, to you have a number of um, online courses where they can learn about parenting and they can hire you as a parenting coach because who doesn't need your help. Like we all need your help. I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You are wonderful. And I hope to stay collaborating with you because I can't do this alone either. Yes, that's right. We, it takes a village. It does. It does. And I love your village. So thank you so much. For any listeners who would like to go deeper into my story, check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, available in paperback, audio, or digital on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, iTunes, and IndieBound. Remember, we get to write this next chapter for our kids, for ourselves, and for the world around us. Have a great day.